Welcome to the Growth Guru Podcast, the home of raw, unfiltered self-development advice that cuts through the noise. Strap in for real solutions, inspiring personal stories, and everything you need to become your very best self. If you're ready to unlock your true potential, then you're in the right place. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Growth Guru podcast. I'm your host Rosie Leach aka The Growth Guru and I'm a life coach specializing in self-worth. I believe that the moment you discover your self-worth you start to rewrite your story. It is the answer to most of your problems and it's something I talk about a lot within this podcast and it's something I help people with all over the world. But today I'm very excited because I have an incredible guest for you. Today I'm speaking to Keely Marie, who is a trauma recovery therapist and coach. She is dedicated to guiding women on their journey towards confidence and self-discovery as they break the cycle of toxic relationships. Her message is super clear. Who we are is more than enough, and through owning our power, we can claim the freedom we deserve. This is going to be full of some amazing advice, whether you're currently in a toxic relationship or trying to heal from one, there's going to be a lot of value for you. So let's get stuck in. I know there's going to be a lot of women listening to this episode who might find themselves in toxic relationships or trying to heal from past ones. So this is your specialty. This is what we're going to talk about today is, you know, a lot of different conversations around toxic relationships, what they are, what they look like, how to spot them, what to do about them, um, but also how to move on from ones from the past. Because unfortunately, I think a lot of us have found ourselves you know, in situations that aren't great. And um, sometimes it's easy to recognize that toxicity, sometimes it's not. And I think it's important that we have these kind of conversations. Um, But before we do get stuck into that, um, I'd love for you to share your story with our listeners. So how did you find your way to the life that you have now? And, you know, ultimately, what led you to becoming a coach for women who are dealing with trauma? Uh, yeah, so that's a really good question. Where to start? Um, I'll give you a quick overview. Um, I was a family lawyer before and I worked in public childcare. Um, and so to the outside world, I should be the one person to know what a healthy and happy relationship looks like, considering I was dealing with the not so great ones every day of my life. Um, and I spent a lot of my time working with vulnerable women, um, but it wasn't always white picket fences, unfortunately. And I think I just got to a point where I was sick and tired of my own rubbish and had enough and thought, right, I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to do something about myself. I'm going to look at my own my own stuff and kind of unpack that. Um, and I was just over this whole emotional roller coaster of the highs and lows, you know, deception, betrayal, and ultimately living in a constant state of survival mode and my nervous system being incredibly hijacked um so yeah week after week I started to unpack my stuff with my therapist and logically I could start to see my patterns work through my own like childhood trauma was reading every self-help book possible um and studying psychology and that's kind of when I started to retrain to become um a trauma therapist myself um but whilst I was doing all of the work there was something that was sort of missing and I kind of found myself going and being drawn back into an environment that broke me. And obviously we can't heal in the same place that we were broken. Um, The difference was at this point, I was consciously choosing because I was aware of my patterns. Um, So at that point, I had to make a decision and a commitment to myself that I was going to take power of my own life. And um, yeah, I started to fight for myself instead of fighting against myself. Um, and from that point forward, I guess that's how I'm I'm here. I kind of carried on with the, all my trauma training um, and the therapist training and was on my own path of healing and my own discovery journey. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how I got here because I'm here now to walk the path alongside my clients, um, not as victims, um, but as like powerful, strong women we are and creating like the best love affair, but ultimately with ourselves this time, not other people. I love that love affair with yourself what a great phrase I think thank you for sharing that and I think a lot of people will 
like I said before, have, have or maybe find themselves in toxic relationships. And I think it's really important what you said about, you know, you were probably in the best position as a family solicitor and dealing with women or, you know, being able to witness from an objective perspective, toxic relationships regularly happening in front of you. And I think it's really interesting that despite that, you still found yourself falling into that pattern. And I think it's important to say that for people because people have to be easy on themselves. I think it's so easy to go, well, why did you do this? You should have known better or, and, and to kind of be quite harsh with yourself. And the reality is that actually, sometimes your brain can logically know all of these things, just like you said as well, you know, you were going back to a situation that you knew even after you started to do the work was causing you pain. And, you know, sometimes it can feel like the logic is there, but if, if your self-worth isn't there or if you've got things you're healing from or if the situation is, you know, if there's children involved or if it's, there's a lot of pressure on the circumstances, it can be so easy to find yourself in something you would never have dreamed that you'd be in. And you had all the right tools to not end up there. But actually, sometimes it still happens. And, and that can be based on you, the person, the environment, many different factors. But I think it's important to kind of say, you know, we can all fall victim to these situations and these kind of relationships and it's important to not be hard on yourself just because you could have gone well, actually I should have known better or I should have known this or I should have spotted this or why didn't I make this decision then I think it's important to know that we have to be easy on ourselves and that we can all find ourselves there yeah absolutely so I would see this um I'd see a lot now with my clients but I would even see it in my previous work you judge yourself as harshly as you possibly can because you feel like you should know better or you you take the blame sometimes for other people's behavior but also there's a lot in society of like obviously victim blaming and shaming and all those types of things and there does become a point where you have to kind of admit your own role in choosing and staying but then again that's really multi-layered so it's not just cognitively knowing and having a mindset shift you really have to work through the trauma in your body because trauma is stored in our body too so if these two things are not aligning it's no it's no wonder that you're going to end up kind of finding yourself in these situations um there's also um a term called repetitive compulsion uh which essentially means that we our brain goes through these loops to kind of find a different ending to the same situation so for instance if we maybe had a absent father or mother whilst we were in childhood and we were abandoned it is not unlikely that we will find ourselves seeking out emotionally unavailable people who ultimately end up abandoning us as an adult because we are trying to change the ending to kind of complete the trauma loop in our brain so it's a really multi-layered approach but you definitely just need to really be kind to yourself that's one of the first things I say to anyone on their healing journey is your self-compassion has to be at its all-time highest you don't need to make yourself feel bad but again get uh, like guilt and shame they're really they are tough emotions to kind of work through 100% it's it's just even what you were explaining then it's so complex and there are so many reasons for our behaviors and why we do what we do and it's so easy to, when you're in a headspace, especially once you're out of something, when you're in a headspace, it's so easy to look back and go, well, why didn't you recognize this? Or why did you do this or whatever? But it's, you need to remember that you're seeing it from a totally different level of understanding of yourself, of life experience, of circumstances. There's so many different factors at play that you didn't have that information back then necessarily, and you felt differently. And it's, I think, you know, from what I'm hearing from what you're saying and from the, just the start of this conversation is, you know, whether you're in a toxic relationship now, or whether you've been in the past, there is no benefit that can come, come from saying, I should have known or I should have made a different decision or, or being hard on yourself. And it really does start with that self-compassion and just going, Do you know what, this happened or is happening. What can I do about it? And I don't need to blame myself or feel any shame for these things. You know, this is unfortunately sometimes part of life. But what can I do to move forward in a kind, compassionate way to myself? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that ties back in slightly to obviously your your aim with your mission is self-love. You have to learn to love every single part of yourself. And that's the good and the bad. And you just have to be patient with yourself and understand you did the best you could with the tools you had at the time. And that's all anyone could expect from you. And that's all you should be expecting from yourself so if we're doing this whole self-learning and this whole self-love journey and healing we have to love all the good and the bad because there are lessons in that 
hundred percent. And I love that phrase, doing the best, you know, with what you have at the time. It, it is, that's all we can ever do. You know, one of the four agreements is like always doing your best. And it's so simple, but it's so true. And sometimes you have to look at it. I think, you know, reflection is a big part of um, something I encourage my clients to do. And that I do, I, I do every six months, I sit and reflect. And I think it's really important. And you have to have it from that sense of, you know, I did the best with what I could at the time. So now what can I learn from that moving forward? And how can I do you know better with what I have right now? But it, you kind of have to be able to draw that line under things and go, do you know what? There's an acceptance there. Like I did the best. That's all I could do. Um, I think it would be a benefit to the listeners to start off by defining a toxic relationship because, you know, we're throwing this phrase around, but what does it actually mean? And we hear it a lot now. And, um, you know, there's a lot of phrases in society that maybe are overused or not really defined very well or, or definition maybe means something to one person that it's different to somebody else. So I think it would be really helpful um, for you, given, you know, your role and your expertise to explain exactly what is a toxic relationship? You know, what are the signs that someone is dealing with a toxic individual or that their romantic relationship is unhealthy? You know, I know from experience and my friends and my clients and everybody a lot of people in my life it can be hard to sometimes see the situation that you're in so you know and and like I said before there's a lot of this now going around and we hear the phrase red flags and green flags and it doesn't take you know more than five minutes to be on TikTok and for something to come up and go like oh potential red flags and you see it and I think it's good that there is this open conversation now about trauma about toxicity about unhealthy relationships um, but there's also kind of murky waters because everyone is kind of saying different things. And there are lots of things that actually some people would consider toxic and some people wouldn't. And so I think what I'm what I'm asking you, I think, really, is what are the red flags people should actually be looking for? What is a toxic relationship? Yeah, that's a really good question, because I'm totally with you with it is everywhere. And there is a different red flag for whatever day of the week it is. And to an extent, there are some exceptions they're they're quite personal things to kind of go through as you said some people will find something toxic and some people will find it not so toxic and I think is a personal thing you need to kind of figure out for yourselves but as like a general overview what I would say um, is firstly and the most important is any physical aggression of any kind is is an absolute red flag door slam no thank you we're not tolerating that we don't need to and if you ever find yourself in a position where that is happening then um the first thing I don't want you to call your friends or your family I want you to dial 999 or wherever you are in the world your emergency number and I need you to get help that way um you don't have to stay there you don't have to deal with it nor should you be subjected to that so I think that's like a I think everyone would agree on that one as a red flag as a definite a big one up there um a lot of other red flags that I see with my clients is jealousy and controlling behavior um, and then there's a lot of covert emotional abuse at the moment around. Um, and what I mean by that is gaslighting, blame shifting, deceptive behavior, um, the silent treatment and other forms of obviously manipulation, um, push pull behavior. That's essentially where um, if you imagine like two magnets, if we're trying to put them together um, and they're obviously the two sides together and they're the same, then they're going to kind of repel each other. But then the one person is going to follow the other and then it's back and forth. It's up and down. Um, that's really confusing behavior. And it's not always done consciously. It is. And it can be down to anxious and avoidant attachment. That is one where you're going to see a lot, but it's also not a very good, healthy basis um, for a solid foundation of a relationship. Um, and. I've already said deception, but I want to expand on that slightly with there's a new thing lately with obviously situationships and the dating landscape is slightly different. Um, and when people say, yes, I want to be in a relationship or yes, I'm looking for a relationship and then you do relationship things together. But then you're, say, six months in and this person still isn't ready to commit. That falls under deceptive behavior and that is quite a toxic trait to be looking out for because you are essentially getting the benefits but without the commitment and that's not fair on yourself I think you've you've given quite a range of obviously like different toxic behaviors and like you said it's personal you know, some things I guess some of it is in some ways going to come back to boundaries and that some what you expect in a relationship and I guess it's probably always good for people to have a conversation with themselves as to what does a healthy relationship look like for me mm. and 
you know, where have I made those ideas of a healthy relationship come from? And it might be worth looking back. Well, did my parents have a healthy relationship? Is it possible that I might accept something that maybe I shouldn't be accepting? It's maybe good to have an audit of what we think is a healthy relationship. But also I think, like I said, you, you've given a real range of, you know, behaviors there and I think that's really going to be helpful to people um, especially with those kind of like you said those hard pass you know physical abuse and things like that but also I think I'm glad that you brought up situationships because I think it's so much harder I think there's a lot of I guess let's call it lower level toxicity that's probably happening happening that's you know not healthy behavior are those kind of behaviors indicative of more um intense or maybe high level toxic behavior in you know is it is it kind of yes if somebody says to you I want a relationship actually I don't and that you know pulling like you said push pull to and fro and some maybe unconscious behaviors that people are doing is that however maybe slightly more minor to begin with but is that an indicator of potentially more toxic behavior so that's a really good question and I would say that if you're in the early stages of dating somebody and there is behavior like the ones we discussed already being exhibited, it's probably a very good indicator that the person is not emotionally available and do you want to be in a relationship with somebody who's not emotionally unavailable? Because essentially, even if that's as far as the underlying abuse went, there's still it's still going to be quite a rough ride for you to go through. Um so I don't think it necessarily means there will be or it will escalate. But I think you'd really have to have a hard conversation with yourself about is this person actually built and able to meet my needs? And I think you'll have a pretty good answer on whether you'd like to move forward or not. Thank you. I think that's uh, hopefully because I think the reason I want to ask that question is because I think probably a lot of people will potentially listen to this and, and be experiencing some level of toxicity but it might be that or, or you know or unhealthiness but it may be that more base level very situationship based kind of dating realm which I think is so confusing for people um and just not particularly fun um but if people are listening to this and they are in a toxic relationship you know they've identified with some of the things that you're saying maybe they already knew it maybe they're doing that actual shit like this is maybe this is happening to me or in this relationship um you know what should they do if you find yourself in a toxic relationship an unhealthy relationship where the person you're with is exhibiting some several many a couple of these behaviors what should you do yeah so um I think firstly obviously again just to highlight because it's very sensitive and a very dangerous situation if there's any physical aggression or slightly nearing that way then you need safety plan again 999 or wherever you are um, and I, I know I say that a lot but it's because we know that statistics show that after you've left in a, like a toxic relationship it does tend to escalate. There's a thing called post-separation abuse and that's very, it's a lot higher than when you're actually in the relationship. So I like to drum that home with everyone. Um, but I think if there's just some of the red flags that we've spoken about and there's not any physical aggression, then the first step you need to do is talk to somebody you trust. And that could look like a coach, a therapist. I mean, that could look like your parents. It could just look like somebody that knows um, and they need to obviously make you feel safe and hold space for you. And you need to make a safety plan of how you are intending to leave that relationship. Because when you have to leave quickly, because it's more serious, there are other things to take into account, like finances, children, all those things. But when you have the support and safety network around you um, and you can have a little bit more time, it's, you know, it's always good to get yourself into a good position where you can leave safely and kind of just have a plan on how, how you are going to exit that relationship. I think, you know, like you said, I, I don't think it's, we have to, you, you have to reiterate this. You know, there are people that are potentially in very dangerous situations and it's always, you know, like you said, there needs to be police help or, you know, for some formal intervention. But again, what I heard from what you were saying there is that this may potentially take an element of planning to leave things like this. It's not always so straightforward and, it takes a lot of courage to do that. I think, 
you know there's I guess maybe it's a good point to have that reminder of like you can do this like even if something feels very suffocating or like you have to stay in something forever you know from your experience and from the experience of your clients like it's possible for people to leave these relationships is it ever possible to stay in relationships and for it to work so yes and I don't think anyone would ever be saying that and I'm not telling you to do this I'm not endorsing it but for example if we take pushful behavior and that is based on an anxious and attachment avoidant style um then there are plenty of relationships that they go through therapy and as we know we can go from um, an anxious or an avoidant attachment style to a secure um, attachment style so if you have two parties who are willing to do the work who are self-aware there's obviously no other extreme forms of toxicity or violence then yes it is very possible but it's in the minority and people and both parties have to want to change because if they don't then you are one person can't fight for a relationship and so I would always say at this point as well if you're having couples therapy to have your own therapy um, outside of that too so you you are working on your own patterns and you have your own support system outside of that because that's really important too okay I think it's that the reason I want to ask that question is because I think there's a lot of people that think oh but they might change or they might do this or the, the potential you know a lot of us fall in love with potential or maybe someone exhibits a behavior when you're first together and they give you an idea of what they're like but then six months later they start to exhibit these behaviors um so I'm glad that you didn't turn around and say yeah you should stay in these relationships because that's not the reason I asked that question I think it's because actually sometimes we need to be told that people aren't going to change and it does require both people and you know it's it's maybe with these lower level it's hard to kind of rate them because you know what is low level toxicity and what is you know yes it's very easy to say what's the very extreme high end of that scale but you know that even that low level repetitive toxicity is toxic and can be really detrimental um but I, I wanted to ask that question because I think you know maybe sometimes there are people are possible of changing if they're aware of their behavior but also because I think it's just important to know that sometimes we can't expect the people we're with to change and just because somebody showed you a version of themselves or you know can be different actually if they're exhibiting things that are harmful it's okay to to kind of cut your losses I guess because I think a lot of time there's that um like the sunk cost fallacy you know, sometimes if you've been in something for 10 years and you think oh my god I've invested so much time into this but what if they change but what if this happens but actually if you're being I guess it's kind of as well like doing the best of what you have at the time but if you're being presented with this person and this is the action they're taking and this is what they're saying you kind of have to deal with that at face value and take it for what it is and say actually this is not working and unless somebody is willing to work on this it's not going to happen yeah, so I think we have to leave people where they are, mm. stay in our own lane and focus on ourselves. And if that behavior doesn't work for us, that doesn't work for us, and that's okay. That doesn't mitigate the fact that you may have strong feelings for them. Nine times out of 10, I would encourage my clients to, well, we do this, we do this, we do this whole exercise, which is what is love. And nine times out of 10, there is no toxic or abuse traits on there. So feel free to grab a pen, put in the middle of there, what is love and see what comes up for you and see if what the behavior you are seeing, if that ties in with your exercise results. Um, but it is really hard to leave people where they are when you have an attachment or there is emotion around that. And the two things can coexist. And that's something that's really hard to get your head around is that you can have love for somebody, but the thing is that comes to mind is you may think this person is great and at the beginning they were really charming and charismatic but none of that matters if they don't make you feel safe if they don't make you feel supported um and the two things can coexist and I think sometimes that is really hard to kind of get our head around because we think well if it's horrible behavior and they're not nice people then why do I love them and yeah we just need to understand they can coexist but we also need to learn to leave people where they are and love them from afar essentially I'm really glad that you said that I think that's such an important point to make to people because I know from 
you know people I've spoken to before as well there's sometimes like that it's very confusing or it can make you feel almost like I guess it comes back to that shame of emotion if you say you break up with somebody but you can think well why am I missing them or why am I still finding this really emotional or difficult it's like but you're still going through a process and and a breakup you know and it like you said it, it is that coexistence of feelings can be there or attachment can be there even if this toxic behavior is there as well and one of the things I I say to people and you know and from my own past experiences in a in a not a toxic relationship but in my marriage was good you know there was no level of toxicity it was a very healthy relationship but neither of us loved each other but when I left uh, when our relationship finished and we got divorced I grieved my life you know I'd imagined my life within the realms of a successful marriage there was no room in my plan for divorce so I think that I found quite difficult to be like well I know I don't want to be in this relationship so why do I feel upset about my home that I don't live in anymore and the idea that I had for my son as to what our family would be and that kind of things and I think you know even from a healthy relationship perspective or you know for me it was that mismatch or I was I felt like I was grieving my life and I think that grief can still be there even in a toxic relationship just because somebody you know at the end of the day if somebody doesn't turn out the way you expected them to be there's still an expectation that you had for your life potentially with that person especially if those strong feelings were there or are still there and I think it's important that people don't feel ashamed of grieving that or feeling upset about those things you know just just because it's it's toxic and it's a horrible thing that you know we we neither of us you know both of us are saying you don't need to be in toxic relationships and this is not okay but actually it's okay if you still feel sad about that, even if you know, like you said, loving somebody from afar, I think it's important to highlight that because it it can add to that level of shame that I think people feel or guilt almost for like, why am I missing them? Or why am I grieving this? But there's a whole life you possibly might be grieving. Yeah, absolutely. We all, regardless of whether the relationship was healthy or not healthy, we all have to go through the grief cycle. So um, you're going to go through feelings of, anger and sadness and depression and resentment but you have to go through the only way is through I'm sorry to tell everyone that but you have to go through these stages because at the end of that is acceptance because you are grieving the life you thought you were going to have as you said with obviously your ex-husband the life you thought you were going to have for your children everything you thought about it, it makes you question yourself as well because your whole identity is now I am this person's partner wife husband um, and you have to grieve what you thought what you were going to have. And that that's, again, it's a process of grief and it's something you have to go through and you will come out the other side. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that there's anything wrong with you because you do have those feelings because they really do coexist. And it's, it's just the way our brains are, unfortunately. Um, if I think something that's important to talk about as well if somebody you think maybe your friend is in a toxic relationship or you know your colleague potentially or somebody that you talk to on a semi-close basis or a very close basis what can you do to help somebody that you think might be in a toxic relationship but also what signs should we be looking out for with our friends or you know for example what you know we've both got young children but there will be a time our children are maybe in their 20s and they're dating what should we be looking out for for the people that they're bringing home or or the things they might be telling us um what should we look out for for in our friends our family the people around us that might potentially give us an indication that they're in a, a toxic relationship but if we think that they are what should we do or not do about that yeah so i think that's that's actually a really good thing to ask because you're going to know the person that you're concerned about um, quite well, hopefully at this point. And you're going to notice a change in behavior, which obviously we know when we get into relationships, sometimes we spend more time with them and the honeymoon period essentially happens. And that's a quite a normal thing. However, I think if they start to isolate themselves, shut themselves off, become 
you know, just less talkative if their partner is always around. That can be a sign of obviously the controlling behavior if they can't go anywhere on their own um, and this person always is there, then it's just the subtle cues, I think, that you're just going to notice there's a difference in the way that, I mean, even the way they hold themselves. If they just look slightly more slumped over, they're not quite as energetic, as bubbly as they were before. If they're generally quieter, then it's always a good thing to pay attention to. I mean, it doesn't mean that necessarily it's a toxic relationship. There could be other things going on in their lives. Um, But it's always just something to be wary of and obviously be aware too. And I think if you felt like that was the situation, then you could maybe have like a personal conversation, a private conversation with them and just say, hey, is everything okay? And let them have space to kind of express anything but also if they say no and that happens a lot of the time because you don't want to tell your family friends because it feeds into the shame and the guilt then it's just the reassurance not constantly breathing down the neck telling them to leave them because that is not going to work you're actually going to push them further into this person's arms because you're adding to the shame essentially um so it's just holding a safe space and reassuring them that if they do need you then you are here and there is no judgment it's a safe space and they're okay to come to you when they are ready I think that's great advice and it's oh this is some feedback that was weird don't know what happened there good old zoom we love zoom um I I think it's great advice and it's it and it can be hard to spot those things you know everything you kind of said is very subtle changes and I guess it's just having that openness with the people in our lives to maybe as a general rule always say that you know like is everything okay whatever happens you know that you can always talk to me even if you maybe don't have concerns maybe we should just be having slightly more emotionally open conversations with our friends our family you know our children like all of those kind of things um but I think people can sometimes feel helpless when they're watching somebody in a relationship and I think it's really good that you made a real point of saying actually don't breathe down someone's neck you don't want to push somebody further away by kind of adding that pressure and I guess it's that really mindfully bringing something up with somebody saying like I'm clearly very concerned but managing that concern in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming to somebody that may already be very overwhelmed yeah sure because I think they're going to be sensitive of the fact of one they're going to be in a toxic relationship so that is already a very pressurized environment to be in They are trying to keep the other person happy. So people pleasing, walking on eggshells, all of those things are happening in the background. And the last thing you want to be doing is adding to that because obviously that's not going to be good for their mental health at all. So it is just a case of observing from a distance. But like you said, letting them know that if they need you, you are there day or night, anytime. And you kind of have to trust that they will come when they need you which is a really really hard thing to do I think as you said people will often feel helpless but it is probably the best way to approach it because you don't want to do the opposite 100% so we've talked a lot about toxic relationships in terms of being in one currently if people are experiencing that what to look out for what does it feel like what to do about it but now I think it'd be really helpful and and this also will touch on the other side of your work the more trauma-based work is that you know, just because somebody's out of a toxic relationship, it isn't like the day that you end that relationship, you feel great. It's a lot to heal from. So if someone is healing from a previous toxic relationship, what should they do? What is it that's important that they really focus on? And how do they, you know, ensure that maybe when the next time they get into another, another relationship, they make sure that it's not toxic or how do they even trust to date again? Because it can be really difficult if you've been massively burnt, you know, in, in past relationships. Or how do you just heal from the shit that's come from that? Because tra- the trauma is massive from, you know, romantic relationship- relationships. I think relationships of any form are intense, but we could probably argue that romantic relationships are possibly the most intense relationships. And to have then that toxicity added on to that. And we've already talked a little bit about, obviously there might, you know, it's normal if people still feel the grief period after that or the normal realms of a breakup, but what do they do moving forward? How do they deal with that trauma? What do they, what steps do they need to take to 
make sure that they're okay and to help them form healthy relationships in the future? Yeah, so I think relational trauma is it's very complex. Um, people often, I've had many clients that have ended up with complex PTSD and it is really a process you have to go through to heal from this. It's not magic that's going to happen overnight, unfortunately, but it's absolutely possible with any any form of trauma that you can kind of, you can heal the wound from it, which is excellent. Um, and you will come out the other side a much stronger person with um, a lot of insight. Um, and I think we've already kind of touched on the first thing I would say, and that is about being kind and compassionate to yourself. Um, you're going to go through the roller coaster of emotions, like we said. You're going to have to go through the grief process. You're going to have to go through the shame and the guilt. And it's really important um, to not find ourselves stuck in the victim mode, as easy as that is to say. But you have to balance the shame, the guilt, and all the emotional roller coasters with not trying to beat yourself up. Because once you're stuck in victim mode, it's very hard to get out of that. Um, and you were a victim to what happened to you, but you don't have to be forever. That doesn't have to become part of your identity. So it's just about balancing, not making that a part of your identity, essentially. Um, so I would suggest that you would think of this as if this was your best friend. And if she came to you and said, I've just come out of this really awful relationship. I'm feeling really rubbish. The th first thing you're going to say to her is not, you're an idiot. Don't be so silly. Why have you done that? You're going to be kind. You're going to be compassionate. You're going to give her grace where she needs it. You're going to give her empathy. So you need to essentially see yourself as your best friend for a long time because you have to befriend yourself and you have to be kind to yourself. Um, and the thing is, and this, I don't mean this to be harsh in any way but we have to start to take responsibility because we did all play a part we added to that dynamic and everything starts and ends with us essentially so if we want something different we're going to have to do the work on us to make and to create something different um and so you know you're going to need a support team around you for that so that does look like a coach family members your best friend a therapist um and people who you feel safe with that you can sit with these feelings and kind of unpack and work through like your patterns and it's a really transformative part and stage of your life and it is truly beautiful it, it reminds me of quite literally a butterfly going from a cocoon you know from a caterpillar to a cocoon to a butterfly and it is a really beautiful thing to watch somebody go through um but also I think self-trust you said about how do we kind of trust ourselves moving forward. And it's not that we're going to trust that somebody isn't going to hurt us because we can't. We can't control somebody else. We can only control ourselves. We don't know what's going to even happen with the weather here most days, let alone what's going to happen with another person. So the way to start to cultivate the self-trust um, is obviously a form of self-care. Just make a small little promise to yourself every single day, whether that is something as simple as, I'm going to listen to my favorite playlist today and you do that every day. That's obviously a form of self-care. You cultivate self-trust and then you build the trust within you, which obviously is going to aid your healing process really, really well. There's so many things in there people can just, you know, start to unpack. I hope people were had notepad and pen <laughs> writing that down because a lot of that is a lot of that is simple stuff. A lot of that is really actionable stuff that people can actually start doing. But I think you're right in as well. It, it all comes back again to that self-compassionate and, and allowing yourself to go through that process. And even just building that self-compassion in turn then builds that self-trust because it's all about deepening your relationship with yourself. And I think it's important, you know, you said people have that responsibility. And I think it's important to note that when, you know, people who are toxic are responsible for their toxic behavior and they are to blame in these situations. But it's also about saying, how do I feel about myself? And maybe trying to understand why did I do this? Why did I accept this? Why did I say, how did it make me feel? And what feeling, you know, like you were saying about in the past, there's been an absent parent. You know, is there any indication as to why I maybe went to this route? And, never from a place of there's no blame for that person the victim is never to blame in these situations but more as a level of understanding is to go how do I not make sure this doesn't happen again how do I understand myself better um but from and through that self-compassionate lens but it sounds like there's lots of things that people can be doing and lots of support they can be getting but 
understanding that this maybe is a long process this might not be something that happens overnight and that's okay it's it's a very intense level of trauma to heal from yeah absolutely there is unfortunately no overnight magic with these things because as I said they can go back to childhood like 99.9 percent there will be something and without getting to the big trauma little trauma debate there will be something and a lot of times we don't think there is any trauma but when we unpack there normally is something and I think you're totally right to say that self-compassion is the way forward with a non-judgmental lens on that um because you are right who the perpetrator is the perpetrator and there's nothing you can do about that and that I'm not trying to like mitigate any responsibility from them but it's a really empowering thing for us when we step back into our power and say okay what they did was awful but why did I allow it with no judgment because there is nothing wrong with you for allowing it but it does open up a gateway of the self-reflection of the self-awareness and then you have the tools and the knowledge to choose better next time because you are going to um, meet people from all different walks of life and all different character traits and once you've kind of done this work and you've kind of started to um, work on yourself and step back into your power it will be a lot easier to say no to things you don't want because you will see the flags because there is always a red flag in the beginning there is always one and you might not see at the time but when you unpack it you'll look back and you'll be like of course yeah I remember now there will always be something but it's just about being non-judgmental and taking back your power I love that phrase. I think taking back your power is just, it's important. You know, my job, your job, we're here to empower women and empower ourselves. And it, and a lot of that comes with responsibility. And sometimes that can feel overwhelming, but actually I think it's your perspective of it. It's either overwhelming or it's exciting. You know, both of those things can, can be exactly the same situation and it, it can feel overwhelming at times, but if it comes from the basis of I deserve fucking better and I deserve the best for myself and I want to teach my kids how they get the best out of life in all their relationships I want to be that friend that helps my friend who might be in a difficult situation by showing them that it's possible to move forward and possible to to make empowered decisions and empowered choices and it's yeah it's that level of responsibility but with self-compassion with no judgment and the blame absolutely stays with the perpetrator like you say like they the toxic individual is to blame but how can I empower myself to move forward in a way that allows me to reflect that allows me to to grow and allows me to seek out healthy interactions and relationships with myself and with other people yeah absolutely because we can and it's all too easy to stay in still become a victim or stay victim to that person and so when I say take back your power you are quite literally taking back your power from the hold they had over you to empower you to make different decisions over your life in the way that you want to live it in the future. And I think during the healing process, obviously the ideal situation here is that people just have nothing to do with those toxic individuals. But realistically, that's not how this works in a lot of cases. Um, you know, and, and we're not just talking about romantic relationships. There will be people that have toxic you know parental relationships maybe your mom or your dad or whatever um there might be interactions you have to have you know even at a very basic level people at work toxic bosses toxic colleagues um toxic friends we all have those friends that maybe have been in your life forever and sometimes it is about cutting those people out but sometimes maybe if you're part of a friendship group it's possibly about managing interactions with those people you may still say right I'm not personally having a friendship but I will have to encounter these people now when it comes to romantic relationships something you mentioned earlier was obviously children so there might be many people that have to co-parent with a person they were in a relationship with that was toxic to them now that makes potentially the situation and the healing a lot harder because like I said in an ideal world we just don't have to deal with anybody that's toxic um but that the world the world isn't ideal and actually I want to circle back to something you said as well which may be important to talk about this you mentioned post-separation abuse now what is that before we kind of look at how can people um interact with people you know maybe it is from co-parenting um maybe it is in parental 
relationships or family relationships, whatever, how people can interact or make it easier to interact with people that are toxic, but they still have to see. Can you just say what post-separation abuse is in case this is something people, you know, I've never heard this phrase. Um, it, and if people need to, again, have knowledge about this so they can look out for it. Yes. So um, we know from statistics that it says um, once you leave a toxic, abusive relationship, the abuse on occasion escalates. It doesn't like de-escalate. It gets worse. Um, we also know that the rate of homicide after leaving these types of relationships is increased also. Um, and as you could probably imagine, if you're dealing with a very toxic, aggressive, emotionally unavailable person, they're not going to take the breakup as well as a, a healthy person would, which is why I say it's really important to plan the ending and to have a support network. And again, if you need to use the authorities, use the authorities, because the stats do say it is increased once you leave. So it doesn't just mean physical and that kind of abuse post-separation there are things um, and without going into a rabbit hole we also know going through court systems can be used as forms of manipulation um, in relationships where you have children just court is expensive it can get prolonged and when there's a power dynamic at play um, it can also be used as obviously a manipulation tactic on one party or the other um, financially economically there are all kind of different branches of that but essentially post-separation abuse is um, and as we know it the stats say that there is a higher risk of it increasing after a relationship I think that's uh, such it's harder because that makes it even it's like we're given so many reasons to me just even that little bit harder of like well once you leave you're still potentially gonna have to deal with this um, but I think it's I was quite shocked when actually you said about the stats and stuff there like that's it is shocking and it's it's very sad um, but I think it's important that people are aware of what that is and that that's something that might happen just like you said so that plans can be put in place to make sure that you are safe from whether it is financial abuse in a divorce potentially or um, manipulation in terms of uh, you know arrangements whether it be financial whether it's child or any of those things um so I'm glad that we've kind of you've given that definition and cleared up because it's certainly not something I've ever heard of and maybe something that's not spoken about very much because it is a I think there is this thought that well once you're out of a relationship that's it but that's not how it works so um coming back to that question and then of if somebody has got to deal with somebody that they were in a relationship with that was very toxic they had you know they made the decision to leave they've moved on with their life but they still have to have interactions with those people and and realistically the most common version of this is going to be co-parenting um because the, the most toxic we see toxicity is within romantic relationships am I right in saying that that is the highest level of toxicity is within romantic relationships yes and like yes so my clients normally find me because of that. However, it's not uncommon for it to be a common thread through other relationships you have in your life. So you may have a really toxic boss and you don't notice that he's that toxic because you're already in a toxic relationship. So it kind of merges into one. But as you say, it's a lot easier to kind of leave a job than it is to leave, obviously, like a relationship. Okay, right. So... For this example, then, let's give the example of co-parenting, because this is possibly for listeners going to be the most likely situation they're going to find themselves in where they do have to deal with this person. What do they do in terms of those interactions? But also, how do you emotionally continue to heal? If Because in some respects, it's like picking out a, a scab, isn't it? Because you're kind of uncovering something every time, whereas whereas usually you're thinking, about, well, I let this heal. And I can move forward to it. But if you're constantly exposed to somebody, how do you, you know, not pick at that scab? I really love that analogy. I've, I've definitely used that one before. It is absolutely essentially the same thing as picking at a scab every time you have to deal with an interaction because of obviously child arrangements. Um, it is essentially picking at the scab. So if we're thinking about it in that context, what could we do if we have to essentially wear an item of clothing that is going to rub the scab? 
you're going to kind of prevent and make a barrier to protect it as best you can. As you said, the ideal situation is you don't have to, you go no contact, you block and delete the person, you work on yourself and six months to a year, you're going to be feeling in a much better place. But um, it's likely with children, you're going to have to have communication and there is nothing you can do about that. Whether that's decided by a court or yourself, it, that's neither here nor there. But the first thing I would say is if you can have a third party in between, um, that's going to create a great barrier. I obviously am also aware that that is not a, like a situation that most people can be in. Um, maybe they don't have family near that can facilitate collection and, and drop off. Um, so if that's not something you can do, which is the ideal, um, then I suggest a method called grey rocking, which is essentially you turn this relationship dynamic into um, a very business relationship. So it is business as usual and no small talk, not uh, discussing your private and personal life. And you keep it amicable for the children, obviously, because they don't need to be subjected to any of, you know, the turmoil that's going on. Um, but it also protects you because it allows you to create like a barrier and keep the other person at arm's length. Whilst you are going through this, especially in the early days, I would really suggest ramping up like your self-care and your self-soothing regime, which would look a little bit like um, before they come, you have your favourite candle on. Whilst they're there, the favourite candle is still burning. And then once they go, you take a long, hot bubble bath and you really, really double down on your self-care. Um, it just helps you to like regulate your nervous system. It also can help you to ground yourself. Um, so say you have this candle on when they knock the door, um, you're going to open the door, you're going to feel triggered. Everything is going to kind of become a bit disruptive inside of you. But if you can ground yourself into the smell of the candle or the flickering of the flame, it will just help you regulate your nervous system and keep you grounded and at center with self rather than spiraling off the back of your trigger. I think that's great advice. And I really love that. It's almost just like a total shift of removing it from a any kind of romantic relationship to this is a business relationship now that feels like a very definite kind of this is how this is now and that in itself is empowering to go this is how I will conduct myself in this situation now and this is the decision I've made for how this is going to go and obviously it might not always go to plan if people are difficult but it does give you that straight away that sense of empowerment of I've changed the narrative on this is what this is this relationship is like now and um and it of course makes sense to just completely go hard on the self-care do the things that make you good and create those connections in your home like you said opening the door but you've got the candle you've got that it's like giving yourself that constant reassurance of but I'm what this is what I can do in this situation to make me feel better and and I guess that some of it is we have to let, let go of that control that we aren't necessarily going to be able to just remove people all the time um but exert the control that we do have and the control we do have is is how we engage in those situations is how we look after ourselves and what we do to make sure our environment is exactly you know the best it can be to help us in those situations and and that can feel really good to make those small subtle changes which a lot of those things are just it's just looking after yourself and just having a slight change on what was the phrase you were used it was it gray gray rocking yes I really like that I think you'll find lots of information there'll be lots of different examples of ways you can kind of self-soothe um in that amazing I love that and I think that's gonna be really helpful to people um so one of the things um I'm gonna wrap this up shortly but in your work you talk a lot about you know freedom and ownership when we discussed that today and believing your worth and inherent enoughness to make sure that we don't settle for anything less than we deserve what would you say are the first steps for somebody who is looking to build their confidence this may not even be in the realms of toxic relationship this may just be generally who is looking to build their confidence and trying to take steps towards them, their true selves and a life that they want rather than one that they're currently accepting. So, yeah, I don't know if you do want to answer this in terms of a toxic relationship and also just the general person who might be listening to this, but what 
what is it that people need to do to start living an authentic life, to start truly loving their lives and and having friendships, relationships, careers, everything that they deserve to have? Yeah, so I think I already said the phrase of everything starts and ends with you. So I think what I'll say will probably be applicable to both situations of toxic relationships and just living like the best version of yourself. Just pick which ones apply. But um, I think it all starts with yourself. So you need to focus on you, your patterns, your behaviours, why you are where you are, and also where you want to be. Who do you want to be? And you kind of have to feel into her and become and take actionable steps to become aligned to who she is, which obviously isn't going to happen overnight. And especially after you've been in a toxic relationship, that's going to drag your heart within an inch of its life. And it's a really hard thing to come back from. But if that's the overall goal, then at least you have a a plan of where you're going. Um, So you're going to see on social media a lot about you know, about yourself and living your best life. And you have to understand that social media isn't always the best place. You're only getting the good bits. So it's really hard to not compare yourself. But again, just taking that slight with a pinch of salt, because we all know social media can impact our mindset at any given time. Um, But I think it also comes down to making the decision and promise to yourself that you want better for yourself and like you're committed to your healing journey, whatever that looks like. Um, Because I think that's the one thing that will keep you going on your down days when you're not particularly having a great day then just knowing that you made this commitment and so you are doing it um it's just going to kind of reiterate that for you um and it's also going to help you take back ownership of your own life because the chances are that we have outsourced and especially probably for your listeners and my listeners that we've outsourced our happiness to other people to other things whether that's I'll be happy when I earn x I'll be happy when I have this house I'll be happy when I'm married whatever that will be but as soon as we kind of change the narrative and bring it back to us and understand that you know our happiness starts from from within when we start living our true authentic lives and happy as we are with our boundaries our standards our values when we know all of those things and what we want it's a lot easier to cultivate the happiness from within. Um, again, I would say, like, find a coach like yourself or myself, somebody that can hold space and help you see yourself, because sometimes it's quite hard to see ourselves, ourselves. Um, so sometimes when you have somebody seeing us, it can help us step into where we want to go, because sometimes people can see our potential and see things we haven't yet seen. And it's not until somebody points them out that we can go, oh, okay, no, that's yeah I can see that now which is great they also are going to keep you accountable which I think at all times is good to have somebody keeping you accountable um because we can all kind of you know slip back and sometimes on purpose and sometimes it's not um and this one will be for relationships and toxic relationships take a break and nobody's going to want to hear that but really reconnect with yourself no dating no dating apps of validation just really focus on you for like four to six months just take a break and decompress reconnect with who you are um and yeah it's a process but you can get there Um, brilliant advice literally it makes makes me just yeah it makes me excited for the women that work with you because I feel like even just listening to you talk about that it's so empowering It, it all comes back to this empowerment and you know it's it is about reconnecting with ourselves, whether it's within a relationship or whether it's in life generally, a lot of us have lost who we are. And we then try to find that in other people. And, you know, and you talked about external, looking externally for happiness and outsourcing your happiness. And we're looking for ourselves in other people, in other relationships, we're looking for our happiness in our jobs, in our finances, in all those different things. And ultimately it doesn't work you know I'm here to say that doesn't work (laughs) that life you're trying to create where you're perfect doesn't work doesn't lead to the ultimate happiness you know the relationship you're trying to stay in that you know is toxic you don't know what else to do doesn't work like we cannot keep losing ourselves for other people or trying to find ourselves in other people and I think it's that basics the basics of it is it comes back to the relationship you have with yourself yeah absolutely you you nailed it on the head there because it does it, water seeks its own level and we are only going to have things externally in our world that is a reflection of the internal 
So if externally you don't like what is around, then we need to kind of get to the root of external because if you're accepting rubbish behavior, what parts of you feel like you're not good enough? What parts of you feel like you're not worthy and why? And there is no shame, no judgment. But when we can rewrite that belief and that reason, um, then we'll start to see a change on the external side. We'll start to make different choices. Makes one do a little round of applause. It's like, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. I think this is a really important conversation. It's one that's not had enough, and we shy away from these topics because they're big and they're scary, and they really are. And but the more that we talk about them, the more understanding we can have, the more empowered we can feel to remove ourselves from those situations and to, to want better for ourselves and to find better. Um, so thank you very much for giving your time today because I know people are going to be really helped a lot by this conversation. Um, all of Kili's details will be in the episode description. So if people want to work with you, they can find you, you know, um, on your website or on um, you. Instagram is your main portal. We love good old Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. Although maybe we should talk about the toxicity of social media one day. That's a whole other conversation. Um, but Keely is very much on the positive side of social media. So head over there to connect with her. And obviously you can connect with me too. Um, but thank you so much for your time. And um, yeah, it's been great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Growth Guru podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, then please subscribe, share with your friends and leave a rating and review. To keep up with all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the.growth.guru. Keep growing and I'll catch you next time.